Joy McGowan. I'm Denisha Simpson. And, and we, we are Resilient, Resilient Black, Black Women. A black woman gave us life. A black woman taught us to stand. When she sat down in the front, a black woman defied the man. When a black man rose up, it was a black woman that held his hand and gave him strength beyond themselves, something they could never understand. Elizabeth Ann Eckford made history as a member of the Little Rock Nine, the nine African-American students who desegregated Little Rock Central High School in 1957. The famous image that we have of Elizabeth is when she was 15 years old, walking alone through a screaming mob in front of Central High School, propelled by the crisis into the nation's living rooms, brought international attention to Little Rock. Elizabeth Eckford was born on October 4th in 1941 to Oscar and Bertie Eckford and is one of six children. On September 4th, 1957, Eckford arrived at Central High School alone. The Little Rock Nine were supposed to go together, but their meeting place was changed the previous night. The Eckford family had no phone, and so Daisy Bates, the president of the NAACP at the time, in Little Rock, um, she was intending to call and go to uh, the Eckford's house early that day, but never made it. As a result, Elizabeth Eckford walked alone when she got off the bus a block from the school and tried to enter the campus twice, only to be turned away both times by the Arkansas National Guard troops. There, under orders from the governor, um, Falbus, she then confronted an angry mob of people, men, women, and teenagers, opposing the integration, chant, chanting, 2468, we ain't gonna integrate. Eckford made her way through the mob and sat on a bus bench at the end of the block. She was eventually able to board a city bus and went to her mother's workplace. Because of all the city high schools were closed the following year, because of all of this, and Eckford did not graduate from Central High School, but she had taken correspondence and night courses, so she had enough credits. She was accepted by Knox College in Illinois, but soon returned to Little Rock to be closer to her parents. Eckford served in the U.S. Army for five years. Um, Eckford was awarded the prestigious medal by the National Association of the Advancement for Colored People, as were the rest of the Little Rock Nine, and so was Daisy Bates. Um, back in 1958. In 1997, Elizabeth Eckford shared the Father Joseph Blitz Award presented by the National Conference for Community and Justice with Hazel Bryan Masery, a segregationist classmate who appears in the famous Will Counts photograph and during the Reconciliation Rally of 1997. Um, in 2018, Eckford released a book for young readers called The First Day, Bullied While Desegregating Central High. What I love about Elizabeth Eckford is that the famous picture we have of her is her sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus to come after walking through a mob of what would have been some 100 white men, women, and teenagers. Um, and when I went, I went down there uh, to go get the tour from the, um, I went to go get the tour from the ranger. Her name was Rebecca. And she was like, at the, we got to sit at the bench where she sat waiting for the bus stop. And she was like, y'all, at this point, Elizabeth would have been soaked in human saliva. And she was wearing a brand new white dress that her mother had made for her. Um, and her, her dress just would have been soaked. And the picture she has on sunglasses. And um, Rebecca, the ranger, uh, she told us she was like, there was a white photographer or news 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 reporter who came up to her and was like 
don't let them see you cry. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Don't let them see you cry. And as I'm like getting a tour, when I heard that, I, I immediately just start to cry. And I'm like, no. <laughs> this little, she was 15, 15-year-old black girl just trying to get to school, um, not really understanding what would happen. Um, that's what she was told at 15. Don't let them see you cry. And and I think his attempt was to comfort her and soothe her and be like, hey, it's okay. I'm, man, like, I, I didn't realize that this is what it was going to be like. But the, the chanting, the yelling, the screaming, they started spitting on her. Um, and she, she just waited there. And I think, and then Daisy Bates' husband tried to come and, um, take her away because in the picture she's literally surrounded by reporters and and white people are just yelling you can see their faces are really angry in all the pictures and um daisy bates husband who was a black man he tried to come in and grab her but she really didn't know daisy bates husband and so she just sat there just waiting for the bus and it it looks like she's unbothered but you and i know <laughs> that she was what in fight flight or freeze and it was like make it to the bus stop so I can get home because where she walked from she had walked she was walking from her home and so in, in later reports when she reports to CNN was that she knew she couldn't go back the way she came because people were were just surrounding her so she just knew to just wait at the bus and I think I think another woman came and did get on the bus with her but she would not get up and leave and go with any other adult um so that's that's Elizabeth Eckford, uh, and she is definitely a black woman that I'm like, I've got to keep telling her story. Mm-hmm. How you doing? I'm feeling a little heavy right now, um, just hearing her story. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm. I, I. I feel the same way. I feel heavy in my body. Um, And at the same time, I want to just keep telling Elizabeth's story. Uh, The really unique thing about Elizabeth is that uh, she, in all the pictures that we have of her in the videos, is that she was walking alone only because she didn't have a phone the night before. Daisy Bates, who was the president of the NAACP in Little Rock at the time, uh, she had an idea she had a meeting place, but there was so much controversy of like the Little Rock Nine and getting them integrated into the school. And so a Daisy Bates, I think she was just doing the best that she could with what she had of just trying to keep all these kids safe. And a couple of the students, parents just didn't have house phones. And so she knew she wasn't going to be able to get to them um, the night before. And I think she changed the meeting up place because she was concerned about there will be a mob. Mm-hmm. Like, we just want the kids to be safe. Um and the, what Rebecca, the ranger, when I went down there, she was just telling us, like, she didn't know. She's like, date when um, Elizabeth talks about it to other news reporters afterwards, she didn't know. She's like, we none of us had any idea what it would have looked like on on that day, on September 4th. She's like, we, we knew that there would be people protesting, but we were just like, oh, we're just going to go to school. There will be some people, but in their words like they didn't know they were like about to change history <laughs> like in that big of a sense um so september 4th they they try to integrate the schools and they got nowhere uh, and then they had to they integrated the schools again september 22nd i think that's right and on the second time there was a group of black news reporters who uh said yo we're gonna create a distraction so that y'all can get the kids in 
So the second time they try to integrate the school, September 22nd, there is um, now a thousand people protesting the integration of the school. And so these black reporters create a distraction so that all the, the thousand mob can like just get around them. And what... Oh, I need to remember this guy's name. And so what they end up doing is they, they create a distraction and the mob chases them off so that they can leave. And they the mob is chasing them off. And when the mob chases them off, um, there's only one black reporter who stands there. And his name was Alex Wilson. He stays there in 1957 and he said, I will not run because Elizabeth did not run. And but now he's a grown man. He's a black man. And so the mob is like beating him up and they keep pushing him down, hitting him across the head with like whatever they can find. And he just keeps getting back up because he kept saying to himself, I will not run because Elizabeth did not run and I will not run. And he stays standing the whole time and gives them enough time to get the kids into the school. Kids get into school and then some of the protesters get into the school and then the white children in the school are like, they're, they're here. They're here. White children are jumping out of windows because they did not want the school to be integrated. And so now the principal and all the people are trying to get the kids out of the school safely. And Alex Wilson is still not running. Again, giving them just enough time to get those kids out of that school again <laughs> so that they can, like, get them to safety. Um, and what we learned about Alex Wilson was that Three years after that encounter, he had all types of, like, head contusions, um, all types of stuff was wrong with him, and he died three years later due to the injuries that he sustained on that day where he kept saying, I will not run because Elizabeth did not run. Um, and so, I don't know. So we entered this conversation today <laughs> talking about sadness. That's one of our emotions. Y'all, we had, Denisha and I had discussed, like, we were going to talk about depression, but we were like, we don't want to, like, diagnose y'all. <laughs> we don't want right. people to, and what Denisha said, she's like, we don't want our listeners to self-diagnose. I was like, good point. <laughs> uh, but we want to make room for sadness as an emotion. Um, and so when I think about sadness I think about my experience of learning about Elizabeth Eckford and learning about Alex Wilson um, about three weeks ago when I was in Little Rock. And I think about how I remember just like being in tears, hearing Elizabeth's story and hearing the things that happened to her. And I remember just being like, I've got to cry because she wasn't able to. Mm. We don't see any pictures of her crying. We don't see any pictures of her like wiping her face, of her being overwhelmed with emotion. Oh you see video and pictures of Elizabeth, what I believe she was in a state of like fight, flight, or freeze. And her body and her brain did what did what it needed to do to keep her safe throughout that mob. And mm -hmm. I am just, if I'm gonna be grateful, it's like grateful that the mob did not try to hurt a 15 year old girl. Right. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Denisha? I've said a lot. <laughs> um, I just think about hearing you say sadness and how you had to cry for her. Um, and that just makes me think about an aspect um, of sadness, a function of sadness that doesn't get it doesn't get a lot of recognition of how it functions um, 
just to connect us with others. Um, it helps us show compassion, um, empathy, which is what you're doing right now, right? Um, and just love. And it just connects us on a deeper level. And so I think that that function, that side of sadness, um, doesn't always get the recognition that it deserves. I, I'm really glad you said that point. <laughs> Because I think sometimes we're so afraid. I'll just speak for myself. And then if anybody agrees, y'all can agree. <laughs> if y'all agree, I'll speak for myself. I remember being in that moment when Rebecca, the ranger at the Little Rock um, High School, she was telling us that when the um, when the when the uh, news reporter said to her, don't cry. Don't let them see you cry. I remember mm. just like breaking down mm. and just feeling like this is why we always have to be strong. Because <laughs> right. people are always telling us don't cry. Right. Don't cry. And I'm like, <sighs> no. And I remember I like I'm like starting to cry. And I remember I was like like covering up my face a little bit. And I'm like, stop. Why? And like I'm having this internal battle with myself. Like, why am I covering my face? Like mm. the people I was with, like I trusted those people. Like, and so I'm like, okay, so I know that sometimes as a black woman, I have that thing of not wanting to be vulnerable in front of people. Right. But I'm like, yo, at the end of the day, these people love me. And then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, but even if I wasn't with people that I trust to to comfort me, mm-hmm. I also just need to cry because this is not right. And it's, right. I'm so sad mm-hmm. for Elizabeth, for what happened to her. And it's okay for me to cry even if... I wasn't going to get comfort from whoever was there. Mm. And so I had, I like, I just kept making myself like, you're going to cry and you're not going to cover up your face. You're going to cry and you're going to, and it's okay. You're going to be sad about this because this was unfair. Like yes. it, was, it was just like more than like her life mattered. <laughs> like it was like, this makes me angry mm-hmm. and I want to cry. Like I don't like Sometimes I get angry and I just cry. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm mad, but like, I'm mad because I'm so sad mm-hmm. to hear what happened to Elizabeth. Um, and then just to hear, like, how she, like, it changed who she was. It changed who she was as a person. Like, Elizabeth is still alive today. Um, but she didn't go back to that school. Like, as in her little bio, right, she didn't go back to that school. Right. A lot of things changed for her. It would be no, it would be impossible for them not to, right? It would be impossible, right? So I guess that's the thing too to say, like, when something, if something makes you sad, deeply sorrowful, it's okay to be moved by that, and it's okay to like carry that. Like, I wrote down what you said. Sadness connects us to others. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to like isolate us, right? Which is what would have happened, right? Like if you would have chose that moment mm-hmm. not to cry because you needed to cry, your body needed that release, then you would have felt more isolated mm-hmm. versus like, I'm okay, I can do this. Whether anyone catches me in this moment or not, I think that goes back to our previous episode on emotions when mm-hmm. we were like, how do we get out of that box? Mm-hmm. Those dimensions, how do we break away from that? You just done that. Yeah. You went to Little Rock and you were like, I don't want to cry. 
I shouldn't cry. Maybe I should cover my face. No, mm-hmm. I'm going to cry because this is sad and I'm feeling this overwhelming sadness right now in this moment. So mm-hmm. I'm going to let myself do it. Yeah. And then what you said, it connected me more to Elizabeth. Yes, yes absolutely. And then it connected the people like I have this these pictures of the people I was with, like people coming to me. To come, come, like it connected those people to me. Yes. It connected me more to Elizabeth. Yes. So then it goes back to something that I said in the last episode about Leah Grant, who's the, she's a local artist in Northwest Arkansas. And she's, she's one of my good friends. And she has the same, I can heal in public. I ended up texting her after I got back. And I was like, sis, like your words were the reason why I started crying in front of everybody. <laughs> She's like, Joy, what? I was like, I just kept like telling myself those words. Like, I can Mm -hmm. heal in public. I can heal in public. This is okay. Like, I do think that there are some, some things like I need to be in like sacred spaces to heal. Like, you know, in privacy. But this is okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I can heal in front of these people. And I'm going to cry. And I'm going to sit on her bench. So all the Little Rick Nine, they all have a bench that has Mm -hmm. their name on it. And the, um... In the little foyer right in front of the school. And so just to go to her bench was just like, okay, Elizabeth. Mm. <laughs> like, ugh. I don't know. So that I, when I think about how sadness has showed up for me, I think about that more recent. And then um, another recent time was just recently being pregnant and feeling really sad and um and not sad necessarily about my pregnancy, but just sad about there's a lot of things going on in my life when I was mm-hmm. pregnant, a lot of hard things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember talking to my husband about it and telling him, I was like, I just don't feel, I don't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, like, I feel like there's like a, like, I remember telling my husband, I don't feel like myself. And I feel like I I will not be like the joyful person that people expect me to be. Right. So I remember like I was doing something that I think our sadness and our grief often does allow makes us do. Like we isolate ourselves mm-hmm. um, thinking that people won't get it right. um, or that be- I won't be what they expected me to be. And so they won't want to sit with me in my sadness. Mm-hmm. So I remember telling my husband about that and he was like, I don't think you have friends like that. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't think you have friends who only want you to be joyful. Right. And I was like, okay, you're probably right. So then this really means this is that vulnerability thing again. (laughs) Right. This is me not wanting to be vulnerable (laughs) with my friends. And so that means I need to, I have to say something. And then I would talk to my therapist about it. And she's like, so who are you going to (laughs) call this weekend? Like, it needs to happen right now. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. I don't tell people. And 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 they were both right. Mm-hmm. I had friends who were like, we don't have to do anything, Joy. Like, I can just sit on your couch. Right. And, and you can be okay. sad. Like, and I'm like, mm-hmm. and I also don't have words for my sadness. So mm. you can't come over here and think that I'm going to, like, talk your head off about it. Right. <laughs> like, I don't have energy mm-hmm. for this thing that feels really heavy and really overwhelming to me um so yeah so I feel like that was like part of like my journey with sadness of like um one I had to work on being vulnerable with myself being vulnerable with the people that I say are my safe people my tribe Mm -hmm. and recognizing that like even me 
because I'm human, like it is hard to be sad with right. others. Yeah. And was like being able to understand what you just said, the fun mm-hmm. the function of my sadness is to connect me. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think we often hear no. about sadness like that. No, because I mean, although sadness is that it's unhealthy emotion, mm-hmm. it's also an uncomfortable one that we don't mm-hmm. want to experience ourselves. So let alone feel like we're bringing other people into that space with us. That's right. that phrase that I think oftentimes people use, like, I don't want to be a burden. Yes. Yes. Because mm-hmm. that's what you said. Because it feels so heavy to me. Right. I can't share this with Denisha because, like, ugh, it's already, like, right. taking everything out of me. Exactly. So why would she want to come in here and sit mm-hmm. with me in this? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good note for our listeners. Like, mm-hmm. do you have people who can come and sit with you in your sadness? Right. And will you allow them to? Mm. Or how do you even allow them to? That's the better question. Because <laughs> you may have those people. <laughs> but will you allow? So last episode, we talked about you give your body permission to feel. And this episode is like, can you give other people permission to see? Mm. And be with you mm-hmm. in some really hard places. I think that's that's really, really good. When I think about, um, in, so even my sadness, I know you, you had said like, okay, but we should probably talk a little bit about like, what are the warning signs of sadness? So um, sadness when we think, okay, this may be a little bit more than sadness. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, Tanisha. So when I think about the difference between sadness and more so that healthy emotion that we all experience, there's no one that never experiences sadness versus that clinical depression area, that's more so when you should become concerned and maybe seek professional help is when it's an ongoing state of sadness. Like I'm never, I don't ever come out of it, right? Um, When my brother passed away in 2020 from a car wreck, it was devastating and I was so sad. Um, I could even say broken, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was my brother. But I also allowed myself to grieve and it's not a state of sadness that I stayed in. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get sad, like a certain football weather. Um, he was really into sports. He was, you know, so football weather time, I can recognize in my body like, oh, that just hit me like, oh, that's sad. Um, I miss mm-hmm. my brother, right? But mm-hmm. that part that I'm talking about that hit me does not stay and it does not hinder me from my functioning. Like I don't want to stay in bed. Um, I don't want to not go places because of that sadness. Um, I can still do my job. So I feel like when your everyday functioning is negatively impacted from that sadness, that's when there, it becomes more of a concern. I'm so glad you shared that because I was like, now I'm going to share how my sadness was depression. <laughs> so I love, I think Denisha gave us a really healthy look of like, not all moments of grief can be or could turn into clinical depression. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes the, some some of these moments can turn into clinical depression. And her key word is, did it, does it linger a little bit too long? And does it impact my ability to do the things that I'm doing that mm-hmm. I would normally, like my normal things? So I I think that my sadness did turn into depression because... I I remember telling my therapist, like, 
I feel like there's a different part of me. Um, I, I kept telling her, like, I feel like this is not me doing the counseling. Mm. Like, I feel like I'm having outer body experiences when I'm sitting with my clients. Mm-hmm. And I remember my my therapist's way of, like, trying to comfort me. She was like, what do your kids say about you? Mm. And she's like, have they told you that they feel like you're different? They're like, you're not mommy? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she's just like, I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, I think they can tell mommy is tired and pregnant and all these mm-hmm. things. And she's like, okay, so that's how I want you to know that, like, you're not a different person. Mm. Like you, well, kind of, I think what she was trying to tell me is what you said. Like mm-hmm. sadness is a very common emotion joy. Right. You just haven't felt sadness like this in a long time. Right. And then, so I noticed it showing up in my sessions of me just having like these outer body experiences with my sessions and me just feeling like I don't have the same like energy mm-hmm. for my sessions. Like that's how I noticed it showing up in my work. And I'm, and then I noticed just feeling really physically drained and tired a lot. I think I noticed, um, again, wanting to isolate myself from people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would want to hang out with people, but then not because I didn't want to burden and right. then having to like push myself to like make plans and then having to tell people like, listen, we're going to make these plans for two weeks, but I also need the permission to cancel on you the last minute. If I, <laughs> and when I would, ca- and I would cancel <laughs> because I was depressed. And when I would cancel, they would just call me and be like, you want to just talk? You want to just talk in the phone? I'm like, okay, yeah, we can just talk. And like, we didn't, always talk about my sadness but just like catching up with life like because mm-hmm. they knew that, like they're like well I want to be intentional with you and get right. to know you and stay with you right and so I just noticed like my energy and my joy for things that I used to really enjoy was gone mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's how you know the difference like things that used to bring you joy just doesn't bring you joy anymore um, or you you're doing something at half of the the presence that you would normally give it. Um, and I think it's really unique too for black women because sometimes for black women, we're not, when we experience sadness um, or de- when we experience depression, we are not just uh, really tearful all the time. Right. We may be doing a hundred million things mm-hmm. and just keep stacking right. yourself. We may be very productive. Mm-hmm. You, you may be very functional. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much that you're like like overproductive right. because yes. you don't want to sit too long mm-hmm. with your sadness because then right. it, will, it will just catch you off guard. Exactly. And then you will become really tearful all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And you almost feel like you don't have a reason. Um, so I just think we have to be really careful as, as women, black women, sometimes sadness doesn't just show up or depression doesn't just show up as a being really teary-eyed type right. thing. Yeah. Um, That's very important. Yeah. So we don't want... Just check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. Check in with your body. Be honest with yourself and know that it's okay. Whatever you're feeling, whether it's sadness, extreme sadness, grief, depression, um, all those things. Just be honest and if you need to seek further help or go see someone, go sit with a therapist. Um, It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I just, I just want to keep repeating what you said, Denisha, earlier about sadness being a, uh, a common emotion. We all feel this. 
and reminding us that when sadness shows up, the function of it is to connect us Mm -hmm. to other people. It is in that place of vulnerability that we could experience compassion, empathy, and love. Absolutely. I, one last thing I think about the movie Inside Out and how sadness was like ostracized like in the beginning but then once sadness was understood more and sadness's function was understood I should say it was almost like she then became even more popular than um, Joy yeah 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 right because mm-hmm. I love in, I love Inside Out because Inside <laughs> Out is like a it's the ex- it's reminding us that our emotions, it's reminding us that we are multidimensional. Yes, yes, yes. That we're not one or two dimensional beings. We're yes. multidimensional. And when Joy realized that all the emotions can work together yes. to create these core life-changing memories, mm-hmm. it completely changed who the function of Joy. Yes, it Joy did. was like, yo, oh yeah, we do need sadness. Yes. We do need disgust. Like all... I felt like what I learned from Inside Out was that all of our emotions keep us safe. Yes. Yeah. They're there for a reason, a very good reason. And all emotions are valid. All of them are valid. Even sadness. Even sadness. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope that our listeners can relate to this (laughs) of like my sadness that I do think was clinical depression and then Denisha's sadness that was not clinical depression Um, and just identifying that we can make room for sadness. What's your gratitude moment? I'm grateful for um, growth. Just that you, whereas Elizabeth wasn't able to cry, Mm -hmm. you were. Like you were Mm -hmm. able to sit there and cry. And so I'm just very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I have a lot of gratitude to have just been able to talk about Elizabeth. Um, she was not just a strong black woman, but mm-hmm. a resilient black woman who um, her body did what it needed to do for that moment. And here we are doing what we can do now because because things are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of our work, especially with the podcast, is to demystify mental health and educate people about mental health and culture. And so I have a lot of gratitude to be able to uh, speak to that. Sadness is okay. I'm Jeremy Allen. I'm Denisha Simpson. And we are Resilient Black Women. Goddesses don't ever bleed. Black women survive through they push and shun away. They the most educated, so listen to what your mama say. Most beautiful, might I say. That's why they copy all her ways. That's why they sit and they stare. But don't let them touch your hair. Those roots were formed before you were even here. And may God bless the souls that was lost so we persevere. A black woman from Chicago had prayed for me every night. That black woman sent me away one summer and saved my life. I know. Everything black. Everything black. I know. That's why. Everything black. Everything black.